podcast is this? Um, hey, hey, we're a Burkamp Wonderland, and this week's podcast, I was just going to introduce a game, but it's not a game one. This is the weekly podcast. You can tell I'm flustered because I've forgotten how to do these. At some point, I'm expecting my YouTube to be on, and I'll hear myself back in it. But so far, so good. And glad everybody who is listening is listening. Before I introduce the three other people, yes, this is a bumper edition of ABW because the Man City game was so exciting, everybody wanted to discuss it. And I will start with the man, the myth, because you can't tell if he's on Twitter anymore because he definitely isn't. It's Chris the Pirates. How's it going, Chris? Oh, it's it's a it's a romp a minute enjoyment fest, Josh. It's it's honestly, I'm so enthralled by life and football and all that's in between. How the devil are you? Uh, I'm great. I can't wait for us to uh, dissect four ways the single shot on target we had against Man City. Uh, we can do all four corners of the compass. Uh, from every every angle, we can cover that shot from Kieran Tierney. But that's enough spoilers for everybody. We'll get to that. Uh, first, I will continue introducing everybody. Uh, next, it's Femi. Femi, how's it going? Hey, all. How you doing? Good to be on the show. Looking forward to talking about our 11th place soiree. <laughs> <laughs> Is it a trophy to finish in the top 10 now? That's just a, it's just a, we'll just leave that as a, just a question out there, a rhetorical for everybody. You don't need to answer that one. Uh, and finally coming in, uh, last minute substitution, uh, a bit like, oh, I don't know how to describe this. I'm going to say Ben Teke off the bench for Palace because that's still a little bit raw. The one time he turns up, it's going to bloody Brighton, 95th minute. Anyway, it's Richard. Richard, how's it going? Not too bad, not too bad. Hopefully, I'm better than a um, a Willian substitution. But you know, uh, I don't know who pulled a hammy, who tweaked a hamstring for me to to come on. But I'm glad to be here. Well, you're here now, Richard, pulling on heartstrings. What can we say? Um, but let's get into this because we've got a bumper packed agenda talking about three things mainly. I think, um, and I'll start with you, Chris. It's been a while since I think we podded, like in a podcast forum. I think we've done live shows since, but let's go. Let's chew the fat on that Man City review. Um, I think it was the kindest way to put it. Before to give it some balance, I would say it was a respectable but humbling loss. To quote uh, Adrian Clark in his uh, breakdown. Uh, from Arsenal earlier, but what were your thoughts on on the game? Um, and is it a defining moment of the season? Uh, I don't think it's a defining moment <clears throat> because it's just like um, all the other moments that we've had in recent times in terms of the performance, the the lack of the lack of energy, the lack of forward thinking, uh, the lack of any ideas. Um, I, 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 I've listened to a few different forums since since watching the game, and personally, just personally, I think I, I think I'm in a minority. Obviously, I don't know what the opinion was on on some social media platforms on Sunday, but I thought it was embarrassing, and I stand by that. 
Uh, I I think we are. I think we're a bit of a shambles still, and I think a couple of results a few weeks ago kind of, uh, shall we say, neutered the, the 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 moans and groans. But I just think a performance like that. I don't. I don't want to. When I say I don't want to support a club that's happy to lose to Man City, I don't mean it like as in I don't want to. You know, obviously I support the club for life. That's the way it is. But I don't. I don't want to come out of a Man City game going, well, you know, we restricted them to one goal. Oh well, you know, we only lost by one goal. Oh well, they're so far above us. Like, I don't care. Like that's that's not that's not the Arsenal I grew up with. Like you know, even even in the the very last knockings of of the Graham era. We were still turning up to games against teams we knew we'd get beaten by, expecting to beat them because that was our mentality. It's always been the ethos with with Arsenal as, as a as a team, as an entity, as a, a an enterprise, whatever you want to call it. And and I just felt that we went into this game. You know, a lot of the pundits were saying that you know we made five changes, clearly looking ahead to the next game with Benfica, and we went into it damage limitation. We were the home side and we barely got out of our own half for a long period. And then when we held a little bit of possession for 10, 15 minutes, we were being, you know, lauded by the commentators. Oh, I sort of played their way back in. No, we didn't. Man City just got the deck chairs and the flip-flops out and went, well, go on then. And we went, nah, 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 nah. We'll we'll just just have a bit of possession and and just level it out. I I, I just just feel like we're, we're at a level now where we just expect to get beaten by teams like City and and it's almost like a throwaway game. Are we, we going to play are we going to do this when we play Leicester? Are we going to do this when we play that lot of the road? Are we going to do this when we play Liverpool again like you can't go into games like like we did. I just as I say I just thought it was I thought it was limp. I thought it was just a bit you know just you know like ugh. and and the lack of shots I mean that that's that doesn't surprise me because we're the only team in the league who uh, who ha- who throttled the life out of possession, and then refused to strike it, or or refused to play players who actually like taking shots, which is another another one that's that's starting to become a regular thing. It's only a matter of time before we play a centre back up front so we can hold the ball up for us. You know, uh, I don't know, mate. I just I say I'll, I'll I'll give I'll give credit where it's due, and and there will be some credit to give later on. But I just thought that was I just thought it was really limp. Yeah, Femi did the post-live show from Rightly uh, after the game. What did you kind of yeah summarise your kind of thoughts and pass over to Richard? Uh, yeah, what you kind of thought on the game generally? I actually did the Benfica game. <laughs> oh <enough>. man, <laughs> which was uh, yeah. The, Myself and Danny did the Benfica us. game. Um, yeah, um, no, it was Danny and. Um, Oh, it was John. Danny and John. John. Danny and John, yeah. It was Danny we do and John. too many games. That's the problem. We play <laughs> it's too a often. game all the time, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> that was the um, last live show I watched anyway, and it sounded similar <laughs> to Man City. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, do you know, actually, when the game finished, I was sort of in the camp of, yeah, we were just bound to lose, you know, just that defeatist kind of spirit. And then I looked at our fixture list, I think I posted it in the group actually, and I said when I looked at the list and I thought, I don't feel confident about any of our next six games, even Burnley away. That's the honest truth. And then that's when it dawned on me that this is just uh, the normality now of 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 our um, of us. And then I looked at the the table last year. We finished what eighth, 
and that mm-hmm. was we were tenth on the last day, and we jumped up two places. So it's pretty much a, a when you're doing it for two seasons in a row, you're around the same position. It's a it will take a lot to get you out of that position. Let's just put it like that. Um, game wise, yeah, you 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 go in every Man City game, letting in a goal within the next within the first five minutes. Literally every season that happened, especially at at home and you just leave yourself with no chance whatsoever but we didn't actually uh give ourselves a chance as well in terms of we're very risk averse we we don't take any risks whatsoever it's like just let's keep it one nil if we're losing one nil you know and it's 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 a weird one like you can either next season you can either turn those one nils into draws or wins or they can be bigger defeat. <laughs> it could be one or the other thing. So we're kind of a, 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 in a no man's land. So I, I don't know what um what what we think about that. But yeah, that's that's all I can say really. I, I don't. I, I, there's there's so much. There's just not much that you can say about every every game is pretty much the same of the sameness now, isn't it? Yeah, I'd say certainly for me that I'd kind of describe. Arteta as a manager who he understands attacking play. You know, you can't be at that city side in the coaching unit and not understand intricate attacking play, but he seems better at stopping it than producing it. You know, we like we saw against Man City, we only shipped one goal to them and better sides than us have shipped more. But that's not necessarily because you know, we were pinning them back and they couldn't break on us. It was very much the Arteta seems very good in the kind of tactical battle. And it generally gives us very boring games because he's so good at stifling an opposition, but then to the detriment of our attacking play. And Richard, did you see that kind of come across in the city game as well as I suppose Benfica game when we go to that as well? Um. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a, it's a strange one, in the sense of as Femi said, we're 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 fairly similar to where we were last season. Um, I, I'm not as down on Arteta and the team as 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 many people. Like I said, I I've, I too, like, as Chris alluded to, I too lived under the the George the the. the dregs of the George Graham era where we, I think like 94, 95, I think we lost like 17 games. We were an absolute, we were trash. We were absolute garbage. Um, I don't, I don't think he, the, the players that he's got at the minute can do what he's asking for them, um, which has a massive negative connotation going forward. Um, what he wants, especially in teams against Man City, um, let's say um, uh, where we we we're so it, we're almost in the low block, trying to get an attacking force out of or anything out of a Bamiang is it's he's always going to struggle, and then we've got nothing else. We just uh, the the biggest thing for me that that really frustrated me in that game. Because we've seen so many kind of like false dawns with this Arsenal team. 
we pull out one kind of or like one half and then we think oh it's we we've clicked it it's you know for 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 the half a game against West Brom, you know, 44 minutes against against Wolves. There's these little green shoots. And then you get a game like Man City where, yes, we only lost by one goal, but the, the performance was, especially in that first 20 minutes, was just awful. Just the, the biggest difference for me that I, I, I would have hoped that Arteta had installed in the team a lot more consistently is a mentality. We looked petrified uh, of Man City um, with and without the ball. Um, when they had the ball, we were just standing off them and jockeying them, giving them like five. And you can't give elite level players at that level five, ten yards to do whatever, to pick out whatever pass they want. And then when we had the ball, everyone was absolutely bricking it. And that's why we kept on losing possession. It was so, it was really, really frustrating. I I can see what he's trying to do, Arteta. Do we have the patience or the, or, or even the budget next season to get what we want? I genuinely don't know. Because it just, it, I don't, I don't, I think the solutions for him to make this team better, obviously don't lie. I don't think don't lie in this current squad. Yeah, I'd say a couple of statistics that kind of help show that I know what you're trying to get to, Richard, that especially with Arteta's progression with this side, if we look back at the Unai Emery era, um, across the two seasons, well, one and a half seasons he was with us, we kept 10 clean sheets in the league. And Arteta, since he's come in, he kept eight clean sheets just last season in that short period of time. And we're on eight again this season. So chances are we're going to, well, you'd hope we break into double figures and into the teens at that point. And you can see he's fixed. Well, I say fixed in inverted commas, our defensive play. You know, title-winning sides tend to um, get about. We're, 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 18, we're up 19. in like the top yeah. top two or three of best best defenses in the league, are, are we not? What's our, I don't know if you have the yeah. stats to hand. I was say I don't want to put you on the spot. What's our <laughs> goal-scoring stats compared to under? Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, uh, we've failed to score in ten games this season. Ten, and I remember it being. And I'm sure this one, we don't need to hop back into me- uh, many people's memory banks. I think we can all remember about 10, 15 years ago where it was a s- meaningful stat when a Wenger side didn't score in a game. If they even got one in a season, I remember we had that run. I think it was what three or four seasons where we scored in every single home game. Even if we got battered, we still scored. And I think that's the kind of crux of the problem. And Chris, do you think it's a common, well, do you think it's just the players or do you think it's the manager as well? Do you think this is a combination that he's not or a combination of the two? Um, yeah. Run with that. Yeah. I mean, I, I get, I get stick from people uh, fairly regularly. I know. Surprising about the fact that I don't think this is a bad, a bad squad. You know, I don't. Do I think it's a title-challenging squad? No. You know, I'm, I'm realistic enough to to admit that. But do I think this squad is as good as Leicester's, Spurs's? Um, I mean, even Liverpool's. You take the front three away, 
Are we are we that much different? You know, it's it's. Uh, I, I think the thing that sort of worries me about uh, I think Rich and Femi both sort of touched on this. The thing that slightly worries me with with Mikel is is he's he's almost what he was as a player that I really liked about him was was sort of that that sort of stability and it, and he just kept things ticking over and he did the simple things well. It's almost like that's come into his management and it's definitely come into his press conferences. He's one of those managers that you can sit and listen to a press conference and you can listen to him analyse and break down a game. And he's absolutely brilliant at saying literally nothing. Like, go back and listen to some of the some of the quotes he comes out with. Some of it is completely contradictory in terms of the players, which we may touch on later on. And a lot of it, when he says about tactics and stuff, he just doesn't answer questions. And I wonder if some of the I wonder if the players look at that at times. And this whole sort of stat of, you know, um, I think um, Phil put in the chat, even Phil, that it would have been more embarrassing if we'd have, if we'd have, you know, been turned over heavily. I tend to disagree with that because I just want to see my team try, you know, put something in. The, the, the criticism that, that Wenger used to get was, you know, he would just play all out attack and, you know, we'd get humped <clears throat> like the game at Old Trafford, the 8-2 and all that. So don't get me wrong. There's a balance. You know, you've got to set up sensibly. You've got to set up tactically. But the days of like the the times to do that were the times last season in the FA Cup semi final and to a, le- a big degree in the final. They're the games where you you play that defensive style and you take your chances. When you play at home, albeit in front of no fans, you know just try a bit. Just just what's the worst that can happen? If we'd have pushed forward in that last twenty minutes, I mean I think we should have pushed forward a lot earlier than that. Because the one thing that Guardiola will know, particularly when he knows about Arteta, is he's going to turn up at the Emirates. He knows City are going to dominate the ball, they're going to dominate the chances, and they're going to have the game in front of them. They can play the way they want to play. Because he knows that we're, as Femi said, that we're shit scared of them, that, that we're afraid to try anything. And we just sat there. And, it, and it, you know, it, it's just painful to watch. Why not attack them? And, and if you look at the teams, I remember when Crystal Palace went to Man City and they beat them, I think it was 3-2. Andros Townsend scored that banger. That's how long ago that was. And why did they win that game? Because it was a complete element of surprise. You know, why did Leicester win the league playing the way they did? Because they just took the game to oppositions. Albeit, yet you get a lot of luck on the way. I'm not denying that. But that's, that's my concern. Um, and, and, you know, to sort of bring it back to your question between the players and the management... It's not just it's not just the management. There's a lot wrong with with a lot of our players. You know, we we've got the wrong captain. I know I'm just going to keep banging that drum, but you know, Aubameyang is a lot of things. The captain is not one of them. You can be a dressing room leader and one of the lads, but to to have that armband, I think you need to be a stronger personality than than Alvarez. And when he's having a stinker, you can see it in his body language. That ain't inspiring anyone. And and I think and I think some of the players that we've got in and around the squad, it's not just the players that aren't playing. It's some of the players that sorry, not just the players that are playing. Some of the players that aren't playing. If you're a player in midfield and you glance over at the bench and you see Willian sort of gingerly trotting out for a little stretch, you're not really worried about your place for the next game, are you? You know, so th- th- there's a there's a fine balance. So, you know, there is a lack of quality. I don't dispute that, but is the squad we've got a squad that should be tenth, eleventh, even seventh or eighth? No, it's it's a squad that should be 
in and around the top four. And I'll fight anyone who says otherwise because it is good enough. It's good enough. They've all got to be fit, of course. And Thomas Partey is a huge part of that. But, you know, I just I just worry. I, I, I worry that Mikel's going to be one of those manager, one of those managers who has a plan A, thinks about a plan B, thinks about a plan C, thinks about a plan D, and then goes, now nah, plan A is fine. Yeah, that, that worries me a lot. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, guys, uh, what else? Is there anything you want to add to that in terms of uh, certainly Pep Guardiola was, um, some were saying patronizingly, <laughs> um, you know, blowing smoke up uh, Arteta's ass after the press conference. Um, certainly I was one of those because I have seen how Guardiola talks about sides who allow City to play and then get beaten by City. Sides who are no threat to Man City is what you mean. Let's just say he never credits Sean Dyche when they smash Burnley because Burnley would tend to try and smash Man City up in the air before any of their players can get through. But if they lose to a Brighton or a Fulham, then, oh, Graham Potter's doing wonders here. There's stuff that I've even learned from this. Like, yeah, if you try this, just knock it around the other way. Be fine. Uh, or, uh, yeah, say so like Scott Parker, you're like, oh, he's done a great job with Fulham. They'll be fine. And, yeah, for me, Richard, would you... What do you think of that kind of you know, stuff? From you, know what I, first you know, I was just thinking that it's, if you look at the league, um, obviously there's a, a few teams that have got much better than, let's say, for example, when um, Arsene Wenger left, a f- uh, quite a few teams have got better. So what, what I think we're in a position of now is if Wenger had stayed, this is probably where we would have been playing this type of football because we were heading in this direction, if you see what I mean. So we've probably been eighth, ninth, tenth type thing. So now we're basically, what we're doing right now is, is Arteta the manager before the manager, if you get what I mean? Where the Emery one was just a, a the disaster, where it just every, the players just totally lost faith. But is Arteta the man that's going to steady the ship um, get you know a, a solid base for then another manager to come in and do the actual job that we need to be done, or are we going to just as as it seems, which is what I personally think is happening, we've handed the keys to Edwin Arteta, and the owners have just gone, you do everything, you know, um, we you 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 know Vinay, you raise the money for them that they need to spend. We trust you. We're, we're, we'll look in every now and then, but you two have the keys. Do what you want to do within this budget or the budget that Vinay sets you. That's what I think is happening. Now, how long will that go on for? How long will... Let's just say they've had a season off from the fans because <laughs> the performances at the Emirates would not have gone down well with the fans at all. Let's be honest. I mean, no matter what, how much time the fans want to give him, if you if you see your team not scoring in, how many games at the Emirates? Probably six or seven, maybe that we haven't mm-hmm. scored a goal. You know, it just wouldn't go down well. So you've had that free hit of a season. How long do you have now? How much? You know, I'm sure we're going to get into players at some point in this conversation. Mm-hmm. But you now, as a manager, as a coach. What is your plan? What is the plan? Like you're saying, a plan. Someone said we've never had a plan B. Yeah, 
what is your plan B when you're one nil down? Is it to throw on more players into the same positions, or is it to go for it? Is it to change the formation? Is it to go two up front? Is it to do something different? You know, I can't be sitting here and saying West Ham have a better squad than us. And, you know, fair enough, they're on a hot run. It might be confidence, but there's no way West Ham have a better squad than us. But, you know, how are you utilising the players you have? Do you do you have too many players? Is, is that a problem? Is he overthinking it with the players? Is there, like, issues? I'm sure we'll, we'll, <laughs> that's something we'll come on to. Is there too many? What, what's, what, where is this player? Everyone keeps asking, where's this guy? Where's this guy? Where's that guy? You know, are we rotating the squad enough? Are we making the... You know, so it's, it's all these little things that you as a coach, you have to answer these questions. And I think someone put in the chat um, that the journalists ask stupid questions, to be fair. <laughs> you, you know, if, if, if the journalists can't... Uh, we, we will never find out. We're not in the stadium. Our only output is journalists asking questions. And, you know, we, we need better questions to be asked so that we understand what this process is, not just... You know, oh, it's the process. We have to trust the process. What is the process? What are we doing? You know, that that's that's yeah. my take on everything. And I think, certainly from my perspective, with a with a, a process is it's not something you see overnight. You see mm. the effects of a process. Unfortunately, it's over months, years. That's when you see what's happening with a process. Um. What we've seen I think from getting, sorry, yeah. to do, I think getting on, getting rid in. of all these players. Yeah. I think getting mm. rid of all these players, the Socrates, Mustafi, Özil, mm. that that was part. That is part of the process. I, I, I kind of think. I know what they're saying about trust the process and stuff like that, and mm. I, I think next season is the shit or get off the pot thing for mm. for Arteta and Edu. If if things haven't, if things stay the same next season. Uh, they've surely got to be done because they've, they, they had, he's had six months. He's now had this season, which, you know, it's, it's a weird messed up season in the, like Femi said about, they've had a free ride out of all the fans, no one being in the stadium and stuff like that. That's, we see the same with all the other clubs. I, I think this is what one of the first ever seasons where there's been more away wins than home wins. Um, you know, I I think this is the, there is a plan. It's just, it's not coming to fruition. And I, that's what I said at the start of my ramble um, at the start of the show is I don't think the solution to what Arteta is trying to do resides in this current uh, squad and formation, however good they are and stuff like that. And I, I agree with what Chris is saying in the sense of on paper, this squad is better than the position that they're in. Um, I just, I don't think that they can necessarily or have been able to do what Arteta has wanted them to do, if that makes any sense. And I think this is the process. I think this, this uh, ambling around this season and trying to sort out as many contracts as they can. And then, like I said, hopefully go big in the summer and, and, and sort some stuff out and get more of the players that they need. Now they've got this massive wage uh, wages off the books um, to maybe readdress some things. And again, go again in the, um, in the summer. I think that is part of the process. Yeah. I think when we come to uh, journalistic kind of questions of what are we asking? I think one of the key questions that, 
has been asked is also, well, it's why aren't we scoring enough goals? Because that is the fundamental issue here when we look at it. You know, we've only scored 31 goals in the league. Um, and whilst, you know, we've only conceded 26 and that puts us third for, you know, how uh, good our defence is, there's other sides around there that, you know, saying we're on 31 points is as a 31 goal scored is the same as Southampton in 14th. Um, and I think it, that's the kind of problem that we're at. I think Danny's just put up for those watching on YouTube uh, where our goals have come from. I think this is all competitions at the moment um, being shown. But what's Arteta going to answer that? And you know, as Chris has alluded to, it's going to be a nothing answer, isn't it? It's going to be we work on it every day in the training grounds. We work on our attacking plays. We're not going to get the answers we want because you can blame the question asker, but it's also the guy answering it is going to tell you exactly what he wants to tell you. And if he wants to tell you to shut the fuck up, he's going to spend 10 minutes filibustering about tactics and how it's not just Aubameyang's fault. When, when you look at it, he can he contributed 22 goals to us last season. And right now he's sitting on eight, three of those coming in a single game for us. And it's that kind of question over and over again of where do we kind of go from here in the attacking style? Is it because we don't have the players? And Chris, you've just said with the uh, squad we've got, it's not a bad squad. There's goals in it. You know, if we play to their strengths, there's goals in this, this side. The questions are why aren't we playing to its strengths? And is it a case if we just sit back, like Femi was saying, and trust the process and come next summer or the backside of next summer, we've got a squad that Arteta will then be able to, you know, jump from. But I think the question I kind of say to everybody here is what is left for the league now? Because the foundations that we're building have got to be on top of a side that is still doing okay in the league. So, Femi, i come straight to you on this because we kind of spoke about the process already and just to mix up the order as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, in terms of what's next for us in the league, where do you envisage this side finishing, bearing in mind the results we've currently seen? We've been unlucky in games, but, you know, referees are referees. I mean, next they'll be asked to be applauded when they enter the field of play because they're uh, a hard-done-by group of individuals. But yeah, um, what do you think about this side? And is is a 10th place finish good enough for us to be able to build a foundation on and attract the kind of talent we need? Okay, so if, you, if you're talking about the league, then you're looking at, okay, the next five league games is what I put up. Okay, Leicester away, hmm. Burnley away, Spurs at home, West Ham away, Liverpool at, at home. I think by the time you get to the Spurs at home game, you kind of know whether you whether you are going to finish in the top six or not. Let's, let's forget top four. Let's say top six. You'll probably know by then. Then you kind of have to make a decision if you're still in the Europa League at that point what you prioritize at that point. And when you start trying new things for the new season, um, like you said, I mean, I think you said uh, Martinelli's being trained um, 
for the front position. Okay, but ridiculous decision was to bring him on. He's been trained there. He hasn't played one game for Arteta up front. And then you bring him on in the Europa League, which is your primary competition, and you put him down the middle (laughs) with 20 minutes to go as his first uh, chance or first trial in that position for you. Okay, so you get to Spurs at home. Obviously, you, you, you have to prioritize that because you know what it means. But you, one thing you don't want to do, you don't want to be finishing in the Europa Conference League place, I think it is. Is it mm-hmm. probably seventh, maybe eighth? Do you, as Arsenal, want to be the one English team in that competition? <laughs> That's something that we're going to have to get to at one, at some point and say, are we happy to be the first te- English team to qualify for the Europa Conference League? Would that be an embarrassment, or is it just just get in? It doesn't matter. Just 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 make it happen. Get in that competition, and we need Europe. So yeah, yeah, go. On. I'd say the worst thing is if we don't win that competition, based on the standard of other teams that would come in from other countries and other divisions, it's not the case of... Yeah, I'm sure we'd go into this on the Europa I'll League. I'll be honest with you. If, yeah, yeah. If, if we went into... Anyway, we're not talking about next season, but if we went into that yeah. competition, you, you just play all the kids. I mean, whatever. But yeah, we, we're, we're now in a position where, okay, when do you start planning for next season? When do you start playing players for next season? When do we start seeing who's going to be here next season. I think we're already starting to see that now with the Enketias not playing, Reese Nelson, they're nowhere to be seen at all um, right now. So we're, we have to start planning for the season. Is Hector staying? Is Lacazette staying? You know, by March, April, you got to be making those plans. What well, March is next week. Yeah, you got to be making those plans. And if the league is just a free hit, then it's a free hit, isn't it? But... I mean, do you expect the consequences of criticism when you lose, whether it's a free hit or not? It it's gonna come, so it's it's a it's it's gonna be a tough balancing act. But if you're still in the Europa League, you have to prioritize that, whether it's resting players or or anything like that. Yeah, Rich, what do you think about yeah prioritizing the league and has anything changed in the last couple of weeks? Uh, I'm not imagining we were taking three points against Man City as a given. Um, but where are your kind of thoughts being about where you see us finishing up based on the last couple of results? Well, that's one of the things, like I say, so, so frustrating because there has been, like I said, every now and again, a little green shoot, but it's just, it's, it, there's so much mud in that green shoot that it's, do you know what I mean? It's ridiculous. For every, like I said, for every promising half against Wolves, you've got that absolute dross against Villa where, you know, we, we don't pay attention. We go one nil down and it's, you know, we then cannot do anything to to get back into the game like it's just ridiculous um i think the league is pretty much almost done now i think well we're 11 points away from the top four um it's uh, yeah like i say it, it's a, i'm trying to have a, have a look at that now yeah i think when i say we're 11 <laughs> points um yeah. away from like the top four or whatever it is um i think that the priority is going to have to be the europa league um but you know you have to kind of take every game as it comes. I know it's a bit of a, a bit of a cliche, you know. Maybe the Sunday game before um, 
uh, a Europa League game, you're going to have to rotate your your team. But anything else, you know, it, you have you have to play what's in front of you. And I I can't. I think it's going to be more of the same. Um, especially if he, he keeps persevering with how we are, uh, how we're persevering and, you know, not having Partey playing and, do you know what I mean? Having a slow start. I think it's going to be more of the same. I don't think it's going to be massively different to the rest of this league, uh, rest of the league positions. And then like I said, we almost like you have to kind of, there's a bit of it kind of like treat this, getting this team now ready to kick on for next season. Now start that almost start pre-season now kind of thing. You say you're, we're training uh, Gabriel to be a, a, a central striker. Fantastic. Get him training in now so that in, in August he's, and we, and, and the league starts again proper and we've got a, a fresh clean slate that then he's ready to go. Um, kind of thing. I, I, I think we, we need to get into some form of Europe to just for money wise. And also not even that, even if you've got a squad to then play the squad in these Europa games and Europa league games and stuff like that, we need to be in as high a European place as we can. Could you imagine if we, if we get into champions league by winning the Europa league, I'd be ridiculous considering how bad we've been this, this, um, this year. But um, I, yeah, I, th- I think we've, we've just got to try and take every game as it comes. And that sounds like a cliche, but I think the biggest thing for me that I want to see change is our mentality. I want us to go after teams and go after games and be aggressive because one of the things that happened in say like the Wolves game and stuff like that, they gave us space because we were in form and we were playing well and we went after them and they were scared of us. Man City were not scared of us in any way, shape or form. And other teams have done that to us this season as well. They know that if they get after us, they could trouble us. And I think we need to be more aggressive and, and, and uh, reciprocate that, that um, going after teams and to stop being meek kind of thing. Because um, like I say it's, it's, um, it's, it's all a bit dull at the minute and, and, and listless and lifeless. Yeah, I think the kind of where I say is you'd rather be a swashbuckling Blackpool and go down rather than be Sheffield United this season in the way that mm. the result's going to be the same, but wouldn't you rather have fun getting there? And I think, like you say, the, the league seems to be a, what's the worst that could happen kind of thing. Just go for it. And Europa League, we've seen that the way that Arteta can shut games out and get this team to get through cup ties that leave the pragmatic stuff for the Europa League. If that's what you want to play, play it there. If that gets us the win all the way to the final, then fair enough. But Chris, let's go into that uh, next tie as well, because we saw from the first game, the first game against Benfica, we had our chances. We didn't put them away. And then you know, they get the equaliser. How difficult is this next, the second leg for us over in, I can't remember which country we're playing it in, Greece? Greece, yeah, Athens. Uh, it's it's as difficult as we want to make it. Um, you know, one thing I, I will say is that you, you can't blame the manager for missing three guilt edge chances in the first leg, which would have put this game 
completely out of reach and done. You can't, you know, that's not the manager's fault. That's that's the player's fault. Um, so that's one thing I would say. We should be we should be done and dusted in this tie. The problem you've got is you've got a Benfica side who are struggling. Like they're they're not the Benficas of old. I think it's fair to say they've got a fairly aging defence. The fact they raced in a debutant to play for this game, having never played for them before, is speaks volumes about the defence. But they are a side that can give you problems and at any given moment can can stick the ball in your net as they proved against us in the first leg. So it, it all depends on mentality. We've got to we've got to go out there and take the game to them. And and I do I do gen, genuinely believe if we go out with that mentality and we go after them, we can be one or two goals up comfortably and, and see that tie through. Because I genuinely don't think Benfica have got a huge amount. But if they if they score first, we're in for a very long night. I'll tell you that yeah. because you know I don't back us to break teams down if they've got something to hold on to. I bet you know I'm not sure I back us to take break teams down when they haven't got anything to hold on to. So it, it, it's it's going to be a. I, th- I think personally we need to we need to score early and we need to go at them quickly. Uh, a bit of a, a bit of a wider point on this though, in terms of the Europa League, there's a few people that have floated this idea and, and I agree with them. We say we get past Benfica, you know, great. I I look at this this Europa League batch of teams, and I don't see any way that we're winning this this tournament without a huge slice of luck. In terms of yeah, human. I agree. I agree. You know, and and I think like I think it was I think it's going to take a lot of teams to draw each other and put each other out, and us to get very lucky draws to get through. <clears throat> if if we draw a Leicester, or heaven forbid, you know, even that lot up the road, who I I never fear, however whatever form they're in, because it's them. <laughs> but um, you you wouldn't want to be playing a, a Mourinho side, and you certainly wouldn't want to be playing a Mourinho side that is currently struggling and him taking pelters. Because you know that he's going to pull out a performance when they, you know, when he least expect it, which probably keeps his job. I wouldn't want to play United just because it's United. And again, yes, that I don't think they're anywhere near worthy of the praise they've been getting this season. And they rely on one player for, for penalties and not a lot else. But they are the side that on any given day can turn up a performance against us. And and Leicester the same. Leicester over two legs scares the crap out of me. That's where we are as a club. Scares the living crap out of me. And there are other there are other clubs. I mean, Leverkusen lost four three to to young boys. Leverkusen, you know, they were four 0 down in that game. So you know, there's no there's no easy ties. Ajax beat Lille, and it's one of the worst Ajax sides in, in years. So I yeah I, I obviously you know I hope we get through. Of course I do, and, and and I'd like to see us put in a performance. I'd like to see us put in the the players that are going to drive us on and and push us on in this competition. But um, but yeah, I, I don't. Again, I don't want to be negative, Nancy. But we're, we're going to have to up our game considerably to win this tournament, and that's where my worry comes in. Because much like, uh, as you know, Josh, my mm. might have to have to drag a French football reference in here some some way or other. This is this is how I'm going to do it. The the criticism that's levelled at PSG is they can't turn. A poor league, thank you, Danny. They can't turn their a poor league, quote unquote, whether you agree with that or not. They can't then raise their game for the big European games. They're almost doing it the reverse this year, by the way. But that's what I fear. You know, we might get through Benfica, but if we're still playing like we are in the league and we're still struggling to get league results, it's it's very hard to then bring yourself back up a level to to European fixtures. It's a lot of eggs in in a very very 
paper thin basket. So yeah. let's hope we get the job done. But um, yeah, the, the, if we do, the draw is going to be very interesting. Yeah, I think the draw is is key. I think just some select sides from uh, the Europa League. Some may may get through, some may not. But you know, we've already mentioned Spurs, United, Leicester. They Bayern as well. We've got a Napoli side that Catuso is hanging on with. I think he's on fingernails now uh, <laughs> onto that job. So they're not doing particularly well. You've got Lille, who are currently uh, taking the PSG spot in uh, Ligue 1 at the f- top of the table. Uh, Roma playing fairly well in Serie A. And AC Milan, who, aside from getting a uh, besting by Lukaku and co., uh, earlier, what same time we were getting beaten by uh, Man City, I think that that game was going on. The there's some very good sides, as we say in here, and I think everybody's probably of no illusion that if we get into the Champions League next year, it's purely that we're aiming for that third position in the group. And, and another thing, the Europa League. So another thing we got to consider as well is depending on which teams we draw as we go through, we might not have a emirates game at all <laughs> so we're going to greece on thursday to play our home game and it, it mm. could just work out that with with everything that's happening we might just not play at the emirates throughout this, but this with, this with our home form that's probably be a good thing in a minute <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's also let's also not forget that we were all delighted that we drew olympiacos last year that didn't turn out too mm. well you know, it's, it's all very well saying we don't want to draw one of the big sides. I, I don't want to draw, you know, I, I, I would like to draw a team out of form. I, if you said to me now, you can have Napoli out of form or you can have an in-form, you know... Uh, Young just, boys. Young boys, yeah, maybe yeah. not so sad because they're gone. But, um, you know, a Shakhtar Donetsk, a Hoffenheim, you know, uh, I mean... Uh, I wouldn't even want a Rangers at the moment, to be honest. Play, I, just, I, just, play, I just don't wanna... want one of the English clubs. I just don't want one of the English clubs. Play em- Emery's Villarreal? Unai Emery coming back to... That's written, isn't it? That's written in the stars. Get his revenge. <laughs> nil, 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 120 minutes, and then the ball goes in off Gabriel's arse. That's all I would say. And it's just, you know, it's, 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 I think it's fair to say against any team in that Europa League on our day, we can beat any of them. Absolutely no question about that. If we perform like we have done in some games this season and in games where we've actually gone at teams, we can beat anyone. But if we, you know, if we go into a game thinking, oh, this team are quite good, we don't really want to open up here, then we'll we'll limp out like we did last year. Yeah, I think um, um, I'm looking at the comment. I, I think one of the comments from Avon Teddington is said it's a um, cop half empty. Now, while I understand, you know, optimism and everything, it, it, it goes like this. Every time we've had to step up to play any team on our level or above us this season, we've failed. That's the honest truth. And it, I, I've not wanted it to be true. But every when we went on that run, when we're beating what, um, who we're beating like, who was around like West Brom and Brighton and those teams, the run looked good. And then we went into a run where we said, okay, now we're going to play Wolves and uh, Villa and City. And we said, let's see what we're really about now. And we still haven't won those games, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's, it's, it's just that you, you have to look at, you know, around and say, okay, 
are when are we gonna step up to the plate? All the run, the run that we had in what mid November to December, it was all teams that were around us or above us. So, it, it, you know, when you get to that level, we just haven't shown that we're ready for that level yet. That that's the problem. And the one notable exception, the one notable exception to that was Chelsea, where we played brilliantly. Yeah. But you have to remember, we played a Chelsea side who let us play, who were awful on the day, and who sacked their manager a week later. So, and again, that's not to say we didn't play well. We played very, very well. But some of that performance was about how the team performed against us, and the team that played against us was not the Chelsea that they are now. That's all right. If we're going to put asterisks against Chelsea, I'm going to put two against Aston Villa and Wolves for us being utterly robbed by two twats mm. in black or yeah. perhaps fluorescent yellow in the middle of the pitch. Especially um, Wolves, because Villa, we, Villa, we yeah. didn't deserve anything full stop because we were just crap. But Wolves, we should have mm. been 4-0 up in yeah. half an hour. And that also comes yeah. down to us not taking our chances, by the way. Because mm. if we're 4-0 up, that penalty doesn't mean anything. But I do take your point. We should yeah. have were robbed in that game there's no denying that yeah absolutely um so i think in terms of our kind of preview for benfica um don't watch don't watch (laughs) (laughs) i think i was gonna i was gonna go and talk about the players um (laughs) and what what changes we kind of expect to happen um yes i have a um yeah i've got a funny feeling that we're going to see Lacazette and Aubameyang play. I've got a, um, I, I think that he's going to rest Erdegaard or take Erdegaard out of the firing line, put Aubameyang back on the left and um, put Smith-Rowe in the middle. Um, that would be my shout. I think holding and, I, I don't know, but he might play Pablo. I think holding and Marie will probably come out as well. And Louise and Gabriel probably come back in. I, I can't see much else change. I, I don't think. Well, obviously, we're, obviously, we're not going to play El Nani, are we? So that's probably no. one that's guaranteed to be a change. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, the only other one I was thinking was whether or not Cedric comes back into the side. And for Hector? well, that's the question for everybody. Is it for Hector Bellerin? Because that's a player I think that we need to discuss as well, seeing as he was linked to a move away, um, not to PSG, to Barcelona in possibly one of the worst swap deals proposed uh, ever in world football. It's up there with Alexis Sanchez for Mkhitaryan. Um, but what Rich, was the swap deal? This is the first I've heard. I heard was, about the PSG uh, rumour, but not... Hmm. It's Not the Barcelona. Uh, Junior Firpo, who is backup left back for Barcelona, and it just does not make any sense to me, anyway. Um, partly as I'm not even going to say a Bellerin apologist because I don't think he has anything to apologise for. I don't think I have anything apologize, to apologise for for supporting Bellerin, um, who's having a better season than he had last season. Um, and probably one of the best seasons in an Arsenal shirt. Um, wow, you're the first person think, I've heard say that. I'm not even going to lie. He's you know why? Been getting absolutely, he's been getting pelters. Pelters. For, uh, 
Yeah, I, I mean, I could go a bit arrogant and say it's because nobody's watching what he's actually doing. And it's an assumption. I think if you're not in the stadium, you probably don't see the full part of what Bellerin's doing. Uh, against Man City, he looked like he was being left exposed because we were playing him in midfield. And that's the crux of the problem for Bellerin. He's being asked to do something that Bellerin's not necessarily yeah. the best at doing. And that's yeah, not a player's fault. He looks, he looks a bit off technically at the moment. I, I, I don't know yeah. what in terms of... But then, when, when you know what? When, when you're talking about technically, when a player has so much pace, especially when they were in the latter Wenger years, one of the things mm. that we, we noticed that players weren't training on on the um, Arsene Wenger, mm. under that coaching staff, I'll, I'll put it just as a whole, mm. a lot of players were not training on. So where he had the pace, he could hide a lot of the technical deficiencies and not mm. training on with yeah. with the pace. So now where the pace is not what it was back then, you now start seeing, you know, the the, the heavy touches. Uh, mm. the And then when you're, like you're saying, being asked to tuck into midfield, it's even more mm. noticeable there. So it's... It's, it's one of those ones where if that's the way we want to play, then you have to find a, a player that can play that way. Because there's no point in saying, oh, we're going to go and get Tyreek Lamptey and then stick him in, yeah. tucking into central midfield. So that's not his game. So <laughs> it's all these things no. that you, you when you're building a squad, you have to look out for. Yeah, and I'd say if you think back to Hector two, three seasons ago, where he's 22-23, 20, He's bombing down the wing and he's putting crosses in that aren't go isn't going to anybody. We've got a particular Scotsman who is very good at doing that at the moment. You know, flying down the wing, putting in a cross. He's got one assist this season in the league. And apparently he's putting in superb crosses. And I think that's something that it's what you kind of feel from the player. And I get that Hector doesn't have that kind of aura. And that's where, for me, I'd be keeping Bellerin and looking to get someone in younger, get someone in underneath Bellerin. Is it, is it me or is Josh sounding like a... Um... He's a Dalek. Oh, yeah, I'm um, back again. Right, right. For fuck's sake. I'm thinking it was... I think it was I'm mine. I'm switching off my okay. mic. I'm turning off everything. <laughs> is it me? <laughs> Such a professional outfit, aren't we? Jeez. <laughs> Turn it off and back on again. Or is it worse? No, that's better. That's fine. Yeah, you've, there we you've go. Reached. It just needs, yeah, it just needs plugging in, plugging out again. It happens every hour, or maybe everybody who uh, hates Hector Bellerin had finally found my IP address and just started disabling <laughs> my microphone. It's probably that. Um, but yeah, I think for me, um, you keep Bellerin and Cedric in for another season and the question is if you get rid of Bellerin does that mean Cedric's staying for another two seasons on top of that when he's getting to his late 30s um, and I don't know what people feel about that for you know if you're getting rid of one player you've got to look at what we were doing with cover and for me I'd be rolling Bellerin out in you know a season or two's time and bringing someone over to compete for being first place being starting choice for there, but to what anyone thinks to that point. I don't don't think, uh, I I just briefly on Hector, I don't think he's, Mm. um, I don't think he's been bad this season. I just don't think he's been the the biggest problem. I think that Hector suffers with 
is that he's not the Hector that we had pre-injury. Mm. The problem, you know, the, the Hector we had pre-injury was what Kieran Tierney is probably now. You know, mm. he was fleet of foot, he was attacking, he was he was an overlapping fullback. You know, what we've got now is arguably the Bakary Sanya edition of, of Hector. You know, he's, uh, you know, he's a lot more physical, um, he's a lot more robust, he can't take a throw in. Um, but, you know, I, I think he's a different type of player. One thing, and this is just purely a personal thing, you know, I'm not a professional manager, obviously, but one thing I, I always dislike in either a team I, I manage or play in or a team I watch, I don't like. Power, uh, don't like fullbacks that don't do the same thing. Like I, I either want two attacking, nippy, speedy fullbacks. Um, I hate giving him credit, but like Brendan Rodgers does at Leicester, <laughs> where he's got you know two proper attacking fullbacks, all energy up and down, or or I don't. You know, I, I don't like the Arsenal model of one fullbacks a little bit that, and the other fullbacks a little bit this. I think Brighton have it as well, Josh, in terms of like Lamptey is a very, very different player to Dan Burn, you know, statistically mm. and build and everything. So it's just, I, I just personally think you either go with attacking wing backs or you go with, you know, Marcus Alonso and Aspilicueta type of fullbacks. You, you either want your fullbacks mm. to defend and be solid or you want your fullbacks to offer overlapping runs. And, and to that point as well, you can only play Hector if you've got. The right player in front of him, and that isn't Nico Pepe, by the way, because those two that's that's oil and water, those two just don't work. You know, if Pepe's on the left, fine, uh, or if Cedric's playing right behind Pepe, no problem, but yeah, Hector and, and Pepe don't work. Um, and you know, the problem we've got with with Bellerin as well is that it's almost Kalasinach theory, which sounds like a really bad 80s film. <laughs> Everybody knew that we would force the ball down the left, Kalasinach to cut in. What are we doing now? Forcing the ball down the left to Kieran Tierney. And when he's not fit, we haven't really got anything from the left. So, you know, it's it's all right saying, you know, Emre was was one-dimensional, but we're doing the same thing because we've got an elite left fullback, whereas, like, Liverpool, for example, had Robertson and Trent. So it could come from either side. So, um, yeah, I just I just think we, in the summer, we've got a decision to make. Because if somebody offers us PSG level money for Hector, then I, I think we'll be quite tempted to take that. If if I'm honest, because we sold we sold our best goalkeeper because the offer was too good. So are we are we going to retain the right back? Who let's not forget what's Hector 26, 25, 26? 25, 25, 26. Yeah. So there you go. So so there's still a lot of value in him, whereas there's not a lot of value in any of our other players, unless you're talking about the. You know, Saka would go for 50, 60 million, for example, but mm-hmm. you're not, you're not going to sell Rob Holding even on a new contract for 40 million, are you? You know, you're not going to sell Granite Xhaka for for 12 quid. So, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah, he's he's one of the sellable assets, and he's an, an and to Barcelona in particular, if they can rob a bank somewhere, <laughs> you'd, you'd probably get a fairly decent amount of money. Furpo is not, he, he's, he's, he's your classic fullback who can't defend. He's very good mm. going forwards, but he's your classic fullback and can't defend. So that will be fun. Yeah, uh, he's got, he's got two years on his contract um, after this summer. Bellerin. So you kind of yeah. yeah. So you got to make a decision once again. Yeah, um, Bell, aren't you realistically for a fullback? Yeah, yeah, you, you got to. Unless I mean, you don't want to if you if you're hitting two years left, um, <laughs> you're going to have a lot of players 
in that situation <laughs> of two years left. Um, so you kind of, I mean, yeah. who are you going to sell for money? I think there was a question about who you're going to sell for money that we probably touched yes. on, but you know, you, you need to think, start thinking, okay, <laughs> if the owners are not <laughs> pumping in the Abramovich type money to pump in what's 220 million in the summer you're gonna have to sell players to raise money so it's 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 that trade-off of who is a actually sellable asset who are you not giving free free transfers to this summer Mm. (laughs) let's see there's no big players coming in this summer is there i think we have to accept that and Mm. if you look at the deal for what what did what did united play for alex tellers who i think is probably a comparison (sighs) I think Tellers is probably technically a bit better than Hector, but similar similar profile. Yeah. And I think they paid thirty. Was it about thirty-two? I think for him. In, I think in, so. I'll look that up. Uh, uh, yeah, I think that's probably where you're. In terms of fullbacks, it's not a very sexy position to raise huge amounts of cash, is it? So. Uh, says Tellers, fifteen million euros. Was it that low? Jeez, oh, was he in the final year of his contract? And he's twenty-eight. Yeah. Okay, so that yeah, blows twenty-eight. Him. Yeah. Uh, that probably blows my theory out the water. So, well, it, I mean, yeah. So, so you add on maybe ten million because of Hector's age, and you are talking around about yeah, fifteen point four. So, yeah, twenty million for Hector. I mean, mm-hmm. twenty million probably yeah. gets you two, two and a half Williams, I guess. Yeah, Best I guess. Thought. And then the question is, who comes in? Because if you are talking like a uh, Tarek Lamptey who is predominantly a right wing back. He does not play right back for Brighton. I would put that in very quickly. And he's English. English. Exactly. And Mm -hmm. for me, it seems like, especially with, I'm going to say it, the Brexit rules, (laughs) getting English talent is going to be key, really. It's either that or you're super creative out in smaller markets that are completely, you know, are we going to be shopping in Belgium now? Are we going to be shopping more often from the South American divisions and pulling people straight over from there? Because they're hell of a gambles. Mm. Um, I'd rather gamble on a championship level. Exactly. And if you go in championship level, right back, say the same thing. They're English. Chances are that they're homegrown. We should be shopping in the champ. Yeah, I know you watch a lot of championship, Josh. Josh, mm. we should be we should be looking at the championship market. You know, that's where I'd be going for a left back, and it's why I don't think Furpo is a good option. Get a championship. Said, yeah. If I said to you last summer, you could you could have had Willian and I think Gabriel's unfair because I think Gabriel's been a good mm. signing. If I said to you, and don't get me wrong, I love I love Moan mm. You know, lovely lovely chap. I'm sure he makes a lovely <laughs> cup of tea, but. If I said to you, you can sell him to Besiktas for 20 quid and we'll keep his wages and you don't get William, but you do get, you know, a Max Aaron's and uh, oh, there's a centre back. I can't remember his fucking name. There's a good, there's a high, a decent rate centre back in the championship at the moment, knocking about and his name escapes me. But anyway, you, you look at that sort of player or even a, a Todd Campbell at Norwich. And you, you bring those two in. You, there's no way that you couldn't sign an Aaron's and a Campwell for it, it wouldn't cost you more money than it's cost us in wages for El Nene and wages plus sign on for William. And I think those two players would probably have offered you more. You know, if he if even a Newcastle can get a um, the ex Norwich guy they've got Murphy is it? 
uh, well, they have got Murphy, but they've, well, they've got one of the Murphy brothers. They yeah. have um, Jamal Lewis at left back. That's, that's, that's the ladder. Left wing back. Yeah. Now, I'm not, again, I'm not saying he's the guy that will fire us to Champions mm. League glory, but he, you know, he was a steady, mm-hmm. uh, a sort of attack minded fullback who I think if you took him out of Newcastle and again put him into a, a Southampton. Mm. you know, or, well, maybe not Southampton because they're in a bit of a bad spell, but I don't want to keep saying Leicester. And Everton, Ben Godfrey, mm. another prime example. Yeah. You know, good coaching under under Carlo Ancelotti. He looks a really good player. Mason Holgate was on his ass at Everton going nowhere, suddenly looked a really quality player. Good coaching. So there are, there are gems in the championship mm. if you bring them in and if you coach them well enough. I'm not a Leeds fan by any stretch of the imagination, but their squad is 90% championship squad they had mm. and it's overperforming. So, I mean, you know, just had to throw that out there, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're above us in the table and, uh, well, to be fair, yeah, exactly. It doesn't take a lot. Um, so 50% of the Premier League are ahead of us in the table now. Um yeah. Where should we go from there? Should we go into, well, Danny wanted to talk about all the players that Arteta's fallen out with, but 60% of them aren't at the club anymore. So I don't know how many we can uh, go through at that point. And maybe we'll find that in the questions. So Chris, we'll hand over to you for the questions. Uh, Hopefully Danny might have um, given you some, who knows? I think he's doing it, so I'll, I'll I'll take it from the top and work my way down. It's the vicar said to the choir boy. Ha! So, um, Rich, let's give you this one. Matt L. Roberts. Why do people underestimate the Europa League this season alone? Nearly lost. Uh, sorry. Why do people underestimate the Europa League this season alone? Nearly lost the first game. Conceded. Conceded first in Norway. Christ, I've forgotten about that. Jesus. Uh, now we face a real challenge to go through. Benfica will not be pushed over Thursday night. Tie isn't over. I think he makes a good point there, Matt, to be honest. What, what do you reckon, Rich, to that? Um, well, yeah, I think I think we, we touched on it earlier. With, we, we were saying that, you know, you've still got really good... T- Lille's still in it. Man United's still in it. Leicester are still in it. That m- mob from Middlesex are still in it. Uh, it's 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 not as easy it's 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 it seems a lot harder this year than it has been in the last couple of seasons and stuff like that it's um it's not going to be easy um i think people are maybe understanding uh, underestimate because it is the 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 second rate european trophy i think um uh, and because we've got a fairly good record in it in the in the last, I think we got like what the semi-finals, we got to the final um, as well. Let's say apart from the Olympiacos debacle kind of thing, we've got a decent record in it. Um, but it's, it's not going to be easy by any stretch of the imagination, which is why I thought we would we would rest m- even more players than we did against um, uh, against Man City. Um, yeah, I think the reason why people underestimate is just is a kind of apathy and 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 thing for the second rate uh, European trophy. I think that's the only only reason why people would be underestimating it. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And everyone just seems to think that we'll just roll into it and win it because we're us. Yeah, not mm. so sure. Uh, for me, Cole wants to know: Would it be so bad if Arsenal missed out on Europe next season? I understand the financial implications. However, the league should be the bread and butter. Could we concentrate on that for one season? So we've kind of seen that 
with teams that don't have European football in terms of like obviously Leicester. Who was the other team that didn't have European football recently? I think Chelsea. Chelsea. Is there a bit um, that particularly in the, the, the COVID times we live in where if transfer fees are to recover, you'd imagine it won't be this summer, it'll probably be more like next season, as in season after next. So is there a is there a bit of a so if I take out the let me just take out the financial implications as the question asks, just take it totally out, then I think the Thursday Sunday thing is an absolute disaster personally. I think ever since we've been in Europa League, we've just struggled to master I think most English teams have struggled to master that to be honest with you the Thursday Sunday thing but we seem to have just especially when you get when we are a team that traditionally goes far in the FA Cup let's say it just messes up it's just impossible to do all three to be honest with you so for me it would I, I would love to see us not having to play those Thursday Sunday games I'd love to see what we could be with more time on the training ground um you know and especially with the Europa League when you get to this stage you start to see where the difference is so now this week most of the Premier League teams have got a break the teams in the Champions League they alternate their games don't they every three weeks for the for the legs the second leg isn't next week is it? it's the week after isn't it so you, you you alternate your games there, whereas the Europa League you play every single week because you've got an extra round, I think, or extra two rounds. So where we're playing last week and this week, um, Man United played last week. They got a break a whole week off this week. Um, you know we've got another round, not Man United, the uh, Champions League team, Man City or whoever it is, Liverpool, and we've got to play this week. Then we've got another round next week or whenever it is before we then catch up to the Champions League teams in terms of the scheduling. But then when we catch up to them, it's when they move to weekly games. So it's 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 such a tedious and, and hard schedule that I'd love to see us without um, Europe for one season, especially, like I said earlier, if we're going to qualify for that Europa Conference League, we should do everything in our power to get out of that. <laughs> we should lose the last game at home to, to Brighton if we have to with 10,000 fans <laughs> if it means not going into that we do not want to be going into that I promise you no I, I tend to agree I, I think that's uh, yeah I, I'd be, just be interesting to see just with one key focus mm. how, how well we could do in, in a league but I, but then also... this league is so hard that it's not it's such a much of a you know the league is there's so many difficult are we better than Leicester or Leicester pulling away from us you know it's not going to be easy just because we don't have Europe so I don't think we should we should take that for granted as well no that's true yeah there's there's good arguments for and against I think both Hmm. both regards but yeah it's a good question as is this one Josh uh did you asks Arteta always says in interviews that we're a few transfers away from competing for the top spot do you think that affects the fight in the players, which I'm guessing means like the other players that are there? Mm. I actually think that's a really good point. If you keep on talking about the future, mm. how do you motivate what you've got now? I think we certainly saw that with um, the Danny dubbed Bundesliga bastards that we <laughs> saw leave in January. You could see that the likes of you know Mustafi, Ozil, um, Kalasinich. 
Socrates were more detrimental to the squad um, because they were alienated from that fact of we just couldn't get rid of them. And I think that's one of the big things. I've not heard him say it since January with as much vigour as he did prior. I think because at least we got somebody in and we got rid of some people that were very disruptive behind the scenes. I remember when it was confirmed that we'd got rid of the last one, transfer window closed. It was the Wolves game straight away. And that first half, we looked like a team that had just had a weight lifted off its shoulders. That they were just you know, training in a happy place. I think it might still be a problem uh, in certain players' heads that if they don't think that they're good enough to be here, then they'll completely down, down tools. And I don't think that's the case now with many, if any, I can think of. It's maybe like a Callum Chambers. It's the only player. Reese Nelson, maybe. I think that kid's been poorly advised by whoever he's speaking to outside of the club about what he should have done with his career this year because he has just fucked it. Um, he shouldn't be playing in the reserves, but he's shown nothing to say that he should be playing in our starting eleven, and uh, yeah, should have gone out on loan. So that's where I kind of think that the players that are now a little bit uncertain about their position, I don't think would be kicking up as much of a fuss or don't have that same influence in the dressing room. So Reese Nelson not getting games. Uh, who's his social group in there? Who are the people he's chatting to? It's probably Smith Rowe and Saka. Those guys are playing out of their skin at the moment. He's not disrupting like those other players are. Um, same with Callum Chambers. Best mates with Bob Holding. Just come back from a long-term injury as well. So we're not sure what his thoughts are on, is it just a case of we're bringing him back in? I That is a player I'm surprised we haven't seen Um since his injury as often because I thought he'd be you know right up Arteta's street Mm. to be honest Uh, a player that can play I say can play right back he came through at right back but doesn't necessarily mean that that was his final position at centre back you know he was probably our best performer under under the Emery era was our best centre back and we haven't seen anything from him. So, yeah, I'm not sure if it's a problem, a bigger problem as it was previously. And I'm assuming Danny is now just showing Callum Chambers' injury record. Yeah, yeah because it says cruciate ligament rupture. So that would be Callum Chambers. And yeah, he's just not featured for us, really. Uh, and that's just a question that I think we'll get to in a second anyway. Yeah. Um, but. For me, to answer the original question, do you think it's affecting the fight in the players? Only in the way of those that feel that they're comfortable in this position and aren't necessarily performing. I think we know which player I'm talking about, but let's just say he's got an afro and he's from Brazil and isn't David Luiz. We should, um, we should, we should never have got rid of Olivier Giroud who's just scored a bicycle kick for Chelsea in Madrid. So, you know. Anyway, ah... Uh... <laughs> 
Rich, you can have this one from Avon. Are we going to be able to find buyers for the likes of Nelson and Ketia, AMN, Willock, Guinduzi, Torreira, El Nene, Chambers, Mavropanos? Jesus Christ, he's selling the whole... He's selling everyone. It's a fire sale. <laughs> Holy smokes, everyone's gone. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Do you think there's buyers? There's always buyers, isn't there? There's always going to be buyers. Whether we're going to get the money that we want um, is another thing. You know, bar a few transfers, uh, like, say, Oxlade-Chamberlain and Iwobi, we've we've always been, we've been, last decade or so, we've been quite poor at selling players. You know, you, you think of the <clears throat> the amount of money that uh, Liverpool swindled out of Sheffield United for Rian Brewster. Uh, I think that's his name. Like, you know, I don't know who's doing their transfer for uh, like selling, but I say we, we need to copy that model because that was just ridiculous. Um, I, I think they'll, they'll, there's always going to be someone that's going to want to buy your, your, your players. Like I said, there's always going to be a, a Sheffield United that are looking to, to get a Rian Brewster and stuff like that, or an Everton to buy an Awobi, or a Klopp to buy Oxley Chamberlain and make him the exact same player that he is when under Wenger. <laughs> um, uh, that always annoyed me. That 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 thing but anyway i think yeah there is there is going to be um uh, clubs to to buy a place i don't think it's going to be the you know like you know you you see it all the time where where um people go oh yeah we'll get 20 million for this person 20 million for that person and then we can buy up Meccano, whatever his name is that went to just went to buy munich and it, it doesn't work like that it's not that easy especially in these these covid times where <clears throat> clubs finances are absolutely ruined due to this uh, this pandemic um i think there is going to be let's say clubs to think i think who so who who's on that list of of people that are being sold did he did he say that fire sale who's so nelson and ketia and make the nars i think all three of those are gone yeah i, believe, um, I agree will it Gunduzi, terrera el nene i think two of those are definitely gone Two, you could make an argument, could stay. I, th- I think Torreira and Gunduzi are, are gone. I wouldn't personally sell. <sighs> Would I? I probably would move Torreira on just purely because I don't think England really was his place. I think that's more for him. Gunduzi, I, I would personally like to see come back because I still think the talent's there, but it all depends on the attitude. Mm. Uh, El Nene will always find a place in our sort of squad, but it depends if he's happy with that. I actually think Joe Willock has still got a future with us, and he's proving he's a good player at Newcastle. But mm, depends if he wants to play. And then Chambers, Mavra, Chambers, and Mavropanos. Mavropanos will go because he'll just stay on loan for another season and eventually just go for like ten quid. Mm. And, and surely Chambers will go because surely he wants to play. You know? Yeah, I think so. He's he's, he's getting. He's 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 getting into the back end of his career. I think he's at like twenty six, twenty seven. I think is he something like so. that. And he'd make yeah. a good for like a team that comes up, wouldn't he? Like a team mm-hmm. coming to the top. Or like a foot like to Fulham, didn't he? And played really well there. Like Yeah. Um and you look and at contract contract expiry. He's yeah. got one year left on his contract. El Nani's got one year left. Enketia's got one year left. Lacker's got one year left. So We've so got well. a hell of a lot of work to do this summer once again. I, 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 yeah. 
good luck to Edu. He, I mean, he's going to need that Premier League guy to come and come and help him because he's going to be stressed out again this summer. And of all the players that have got one one year or or less left on their deals, I think Lacazette's probably the one most likely to stay now. And you wouldn't have said that three months ago, because mm. I and not so much because he's earned a new contract because you know I I love him to death, but has he earned a new contract? Debatable, but. Is there a better striker out there that does the job that he does for us that's available right now? Not sure there is. Unless you go untried and untested in terms of, you know, an or something like that, then is there? I don't know. Better the devil you know. So, but Enketia will get you, you're probably talking about 15 million, aren't you? But with a year mm-hmm. to go, you have to sell the summer or. Or not. And I yeah, I think we'd be lucky to get like 10 million for him, something like that. Yeah, like you said, just because of the length of contract and his that he's got left, and and the people who are going to look to sign him, because you think like someone like a Burnley or you know that kind of level club mm. are probably the sort of team that they're going to buy him. They haven't got huge amounts of money. You're not going to sell an Enketia to a to an Everton, are you? Like, no, so... you're going to have to hope that a side that came up from the Championship mm. has a lot of who... money. Well, because they will, because they obviously had low overheads in the Championship. Yeah didn't overstretch in the summer. No one really overstretched in the summer. So should still, once the Premier League money comes in again, be able to do something with it. Um, like everybody Norwich. be Fulham. Everyone would be a Fulham fan, basically. Yeah. Uh, and Norwich might be an option. You know, they didn't yeah. sell many out there and they're probably going to come straight back up. You know, we were heavily linked with Buendia. In the summer, there are other players that people will want from them. They will have a cash injection yeah. of some degree in their squad. And it's going to be someone like that that takes their chance on him. He's already shown that he's too one-dimensional for someone like a Leeds. He's got to be like a Southampton, to be honest. Sitting up next to Danny Ings, he needs to sit with another striker Yeah, up there. Yeah. Agreed, agreed. It's an interesting list, that's for sure, of players. Um, right, we've got a couple of other questions left, but in the interest of time, I'll ask you all to answer these fairly promptly. Um, Femi, you can have Jeffrey O'Hara's question. Um, who do you least want to play in the next Europa League uh, game, assuming Thursday goes well? That's quite a good question. <laughs> if you want a list of teams we could play, I can give you them if you wish, but... I'm, I'm looking at that that list again. Um, who do I least want to play? Leicester City, probably. Yeah, I, I don't really want to play Leicester. Um, I mean, I don't want to. I, I, like you said, I don't want to play a Mourinho team over two legs. We we no matter what the situation is, we are very poor against Mourinho teams on the best of days. And imagine two legs against Spurs and we have another game. You know what? That's my choice. I don't want to play Spurs in the next round because we, we have another game with them in that period as well. Mm. And uh, just imagine Mourinho just, just even though their defence is, is awful, worse than our defence, I can just imagine that we just he just always has this thing over Arsenal no matter who the manager is, what team he's managing. We just never seem to do well against him. So, yeah, let's 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 not have Spurs, please. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree with you. I think any any of the English teams, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't really 
an Italian sides. I wouldn't I wouldn't actually be too concerned about a Milan or a Roma or a Napoli just because I think on again it's a sort of fixture on our day we, we can win. But I wouldn't really want the Spanish side well actually saying that Granada are actually ahead of, over Napoli, aren't they? I think they're two 0 up. So mm-hmm. you know they might get through that one. I wouldn't want to play a Villarreal for obvious reasons. Um because it's just like you know it's go, it's going back to your ex for Friday night afters, you know, when you when you've got kebab running down your face and you're three feet of the wind at 4am, it I just, just doesn't, it never ends well. Uh, so, yeah. There, there's a sound like stuff. you speak from experience there, Chris. I don't know what you mean. Let's <laughs> go to another question. Shashir Josai, hopefully I pronounced that right, Shashir. Um, if I haven't, I apologise, but I'm a mere mortal. Um, Rich, you can have this one. With Stan's value apparently shrinking... Do you really think we'll spend big in the summer? I can't see it. Neither can I, Jashar. No, I, I don't think we'll spend. I think there'll be a, a, a turnover. Um, I, I, I think there's a reason why they got um, rid of the amount of wages that they did and just got them off the books kind of thing with, the, with that loan. Um, but a, a big name spending big money? No, I, 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 I can't see it. I can't see it, especially as we've had a whole entire season with no fans, no no income in the stadium. Um, I can't see it at all, and especially if we don't if, if we don't get into a lot Europe as well. Right. Um, I uh, I can't see it. Yeah, right. I I completely agree with that. I don't don't like the idea of, I don't like the thought of us um, spending heavily, particularly in this market, because it's not good value. I should give a nod to Avon's other question where he said, uh, if we do get through to the next stage, what's the chances of meeting Villarreal? So we just kind of covered that one. And Josh, I'll give you uh, Phil Macker's question, which is, can any of these be achieved this season? Top four, Europa League trophy, St. Totteringham's Day. (laughs) I think, think the latter of the three is probably the most likely, isn't it? Ooh, uh, I'm still hopeful, uh, all three. Let, let's go that way. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, I think all three could happen, but it's a big ask. Um, it's a very big ask. Yeah, I think when uh, Femi put the list in the um, in our WhatsApp group of those previous fixtures, I think everybody then, you know, phoned um, NHS Direct for my own... Uh, sanity I'd nearly got I nearly got um, sectioned over us going on an unbeaten run and well, I think I had us winning four of four out of five yeah good, good luck in our next five games hey I'll be a smug arsehole if it happens let's put it that way and you will all hate podding with me for that time anyway more than you do anyway I, I really exactly. hate it's like it's like me and you have yeah. been Sported between because I, I don't even think I think the only game we've really got much of a chance of winning is Burnley. And I don't think that's easy. So. <laughs> I yeah. I don't see. Um, yeah, don't put it for us now. Ugh. So Leicester City, Christ. just say Brendan Rogers does love bottling something. Do, he does love it. Um, Not and th- that's that's the kind of game that. I think I had us drawing that. As long as we don't lose it, I can see Leicester dropping off. Basically, same with West Ham. This is where kind of where we were saying we need to win the games of teams that are around us. Well, Leicester and West Ham, we need to start taking game, start, oh, need to start taking points off them because nobody else seems to be doing it for us. 
because they start upsetting their runs, getting getting some wins against them. Burnley, I can see us getting that one. North London Derby, well, forms out of the window on that one. And we really need to turn up in that one, especially with what happens earlier in the season. And then Liverpool, that final one, that's another one that you're just like, we don't know which Liverpool's going to turn up, to be honest. Oh, they'll be fine. They might- by the time oh, yeah, they'll, they'll be prime Barcelona. Don't you worry <laughs> yeah. about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you just know. So, yeah. It's true. Sadio Mane will come back and uh, Salah will realise that he could actually pass the ball for once rather than just dribbling it into the box, falling over with all the grace of Tom Daly in a swimming pool. And uh, yeah, hope for the best. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it, I just get those fixtures away. What, what happened with the, the the Leicester game, the home game? Didn't we, we we only didn't we batter them and they they kind of got a hit and run yeah. going against? Didn't we? Yeah. I thought it was like one nil, eh? Yeah, but didn't, didn't we? Was it? Didn't we lose one nil to a Vardy goal? Or was that? Was that well, yeah, we got. I, I'm fairly certain we got screwed over. Lacazette scored. Yeah, scored a goal from a corner, which should never have been disallowed because mm. allegedly Granite Xhaka was. <laughs> Oh yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Was uh, yeah. in in yeah. Schmeichel's eye line, and we I say certain we like battered them. Maybe I'm misremembering it. And then they got us on a hit and run kind of thing. They Vardy over the top and done us. Yeah, I think you've just described our last six games, haven't you? <laughs> we've been yeah. fucked over by somebody, a dodgy yeah. referee indecision, and we've been done on the break. That, yeah. that's- that's I, do you know what happened? I tried it. to look for a positive mm. and I just, it's, it fell down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know yeah. that feeling. Yeah, I think, I think Leicester weren't at their, their peak at that point either, so you could argue that. But yeah. Um, final two questions. Uh, some bloke called Carl uh, wants to know why I'm not on Twitter anymore. Because of trolls like you, Carl. Yeah, and you should be, you should be, have you not got work to do? Have you got tubes to sabotage or? Five feast to make late, or like just get back to work, you troll. And Joshua, who we mentioned earlier on, also rather than a question, it's probably more of a podcast topic. So I might, I'm just going to read it and we'll maybe save it for another pod. But he just said, I want us to, to succeed, as do I, as do we all. Um, but I don't have confidence in his management of players' minutes and maintaining their match rhythm. What do you think? So, yeah, I think that's probably one week revisit in a quiet week but I think it's a fair thing to bring up in terms of players managed minutes wise and whatnot it does seem to be a little bit sort of paint by numbers as we go and let's hope for the best so yeah I, I would tend to agree with that one so there you go thank you to our lovely listeners for all of your wonderful questions we appreciate it without you we'd just be four blokes talking shit to each other on camera so just back to you Perfect. One of those four guys talking shits right back at you. Um, yeah, I think that kind of rounds up the podcast for us. As you say, thank you for everybody who has submitted questions. And what else? Everybody who has watched, everybody who has listened, everybody who leaves us a comment, everybody who doesn't leave us a comment, everybody who subscribes, everybody who doesn't subscribe, everybody who likes the videos or leaves us a review. I was going to say an Amazon review. We're not on Amazon. Don't leave us a review there. Pointless. Um, but I will say thank you to the three people who have joined us. I'm going to go in reverse order than I did from the uh, introductions. Sorry, Femi. Still means you're in the middle of a uh, Chris <laughs> and Richard sandwich. But uh, thank you very much, Richard. It's been great to pod with you again. 
Thanks for having me. And Femi, there's worse places you can be, mate. <laughs> yeah. I'm not too sure about that, Femi. But yeah, cheers for being on. <laughs> All right. Cheers, everyone. Have a good one and stay safe. Yeah. And finally, he's back. He's not on Twitter, though. It's Chris. Yes. Thank you, Josh. Thank you for, for having me. And I know we're not doing shout outs this week, but um, I just wanted to say how lovely. It was to see uh, little Sandy Cazorla scoring another banger for his club in is it El Sad, I think he's playing for. 95th minute winner on the volley across the goalkeeper. Beautiful. It's just lovely to see such a wonderful footballer playing football again. So, um, yeah. yeah, good on you, Santi. We love you. And I'll leave it on the note that he's playing in the Oil Farmers League. And Danny, you can switch this shit off now. As soon as I scored that goal, I was fucking livid. Splendid business. Get down, dog.